Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hey. Hi. We're recording. Oh. I see. This is how I start. I yell at you. I was like, we were just talking. What are you getting my attention? For? No, um, Eva's taking a picture of our holy water, and I figure this is a really, like, um, a good way to start. By just shouting, yeah. hey. Okay. Getting, I mean, it worked. Getting some attention. <sighs> how well, you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Listen, I've been better, but I'm fine. Why do you drink, Christine? <laughs> well, you know, I had something written down, and then things just got way out of hand. You mean things beyond what you wrote down became even... Correct. More worthy of correct a reason to drink. Let's just say my dog uh, threw his body against a locked gate until he escaped, and I found him uh, attacking a man across the street who then called me a slew of very terrible uh, sexist terms, and then uh, a neighbor called the police on me, and then Gio almost got hit by four cars, And but look, here we are, and we're all alive. Gio got locked in a closet for five minutes, and now we're all good. <laughs> how, how are you doing? <laughs> but how did you get him back? That's the best oh, part of the story. Yeah, okay, so I called M because... I knew I just I instinctively instinctively called him <laughs> and I was like put me on speaker and I was like Gio come see M and then M was like Gio and then Gio comes running and I'm like this fucking bastard little dog won't listen to me but you know you put M on speakerphone and suddenly he's the puppies right come there. running to Funkel M and I grabbed that dog and I was like how dare you it's like when I tried to throw myself in front of a car when I was little and my mom spanked me and then she got like the authorities called on her for spanking me and she's like she threw her body in front of a van it's kind of like how Gio threw himself into a gate in, yep and then threw his and body then you in put him in time front out. of four vans and then um decided to run away from me and <laughs> not the first time not the last it's funny now but like time has passed is but it though I, i'm not amused well it's more funny now Com- earlier i came i came to the house and christine was in tears and i was like okay oh, it was okay a mess. how do we get you in a funny mood because we have to record yeah <laughs> I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> You're like, I miss tipsy, Christine. Why don't we go back to that? I did say that exact thing, too. Yep. Um, and um, I just want you to know that if you were to see the world from my view, when you called me in a frantic panic and asked me to talk to Gio. <laughs> talk him off, of, uh, <laughs> off a ledge. Yeah. Um, I was getting my drink from Starbucks and the window was open and I was mid <laughs> passing my credit card to the Starbucks girl as I was going, Gio. 
And like she was like, this is a Looney Tunes kind she of person. She was like, this is why I hate LA. <laughs> she was like, I shouldn't even be surprised because it's Los Angeles. This is what people do. And the weird part is I didn't even apologize. I just let it happen and I was like, she'll figure it out. <laughs> like, you were like, she'll know why I'm she doing this. She doesn't need to know. And I drove off and then I found you. Afternoon, you found me in a puddle of tears. And um, I did. And you were trying so hard to be brave and not let me know you were crying. And I was like, mm. I was just so angry. You were like, no, it's fine. He was making me so upset. <laughs> he almost killed him. So can you imagine that? I said, what if we just start the episode today? And I was like, by the way, Gia's dead. He threw himself in front of a van. What? If we do this podcast for a thousand years when Gio maybe doesn't make it, although he'll never die. Sure. But no. In a world where, what do we do for that? Episode? I don't know. Em. Do I don't, I mean, I already talked to my therapist about it and she's like, stop thinking about that. And I was like, too bad. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, let's change gears. Anyway, why do you drink this week? Why do I drink this week? Um, I didn't have a reason planned. Great. Well, I have many. So if you need more, just ask. I mean, currently it's been a good week. That's good. I guess the real reason is because, and this may sound like I'm like, I like planned to say this, but I actually have had Avengers on my mind all day. And I did earlier today think like, oh, I'm going to go home and watch like Infinity War and like have a nice relaxing day. And then I like came here to like cry on Christine. And I was like, I like forgot that I was recording tonight and I was like, oh, I'll just watch it tomorrow. So Oops. it's like a my like, bad. What a what a small problem in my life that like <laughs> I had to delay my Avengers viewing. Party. I just have to watch the movie for the thousandth yeah, time right. tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I was like really hyped up because I'm still finishing things up at my day job, and I've been getting through it by listening to the Avengers soundtrack on loop, and so I've been like very primed to want to watch all of it. Um, and now I've gotten to a point where I can listen to the soundtrack and I know every part of like oh I know where the scene God, is. Oh my god, I'm not surprised. I also have a good reason why I drink because today. I was on uh, yes! the happy half hour with Brett Ehrlich, and I had a blast. I know Christine was on the show a while ago. It's on YouTube TV. Yeah, it was so much fun. It's and I've, so fun. I've never been like in a in a room before as like, quote, talent the talent. Isn't it was it weird. It was weird because we went to school to like do that to be behind the scenes of that to, yeah like we learned what to do for talent but we never learned what to yeah. do as talent so i'm always super nice to people because i'm like oh god i like oh and today were you in um you weren't it was the class that you walked out of like day one yeah i actually quit on day three after many valiums and i <laughs> said i can't do this anymore well that class was uh studio production studio production which is exactly what the one class i've ever in my entire life quit i've never dropped a class before in my life that was the first one it was like the best class I we had we had different plans originally before the podcast, but it was my favorite. I really liked that class. And one of the things that I remember having to learn how to do was how to politely um, uh, mic someone for right. like a talk show, like put it up their shirt without being like, yeah. let me reach up your shirt. Exactly. And it was so weird because I saw someone I saw the girl coming over to me with a mic and I was like, oh, my God, I remember all of this. Yes. And someone was doing it to me. And I was like, this is so weird. Someone's like, do you know how to? And I was like, I got it. And yeah. Like, put she it like, my own shirt. Before she even finished the, se- the sentence, I was like, oh, don't worry, I'll handle it. Yeah, and she was so like, funny. oh, it's so nice that you knew how to do that. And I was like, oh, I have a master's And it's in it, not actually. because we do it all the time. It's because we learn how to do it to other people. It's so yeah. like, oh, I'm an expert because I wear mics all the time. It's like, it's no. Like, no, I was training how was to do it for minimum wage. The etiquette of doing it on other people. <laughs> but no, anyway, it was was that was a very like 
weird tangent to go off on specifically this but it was a great show so fun it was so much fun and brett is so nice and he's just wonderful and hilarious and they made me like the best milkshake i've ever had nice. they put little mini hershey kisses in it what? they had eco-friendly straws that were oh, made yeah. of rubber they're all about the straws they were a wild time yeah i went and they made the the slow gin fizz and i was like they knew i mean eva told them but they knew i loved gin and i was like <laughs> they're on top of their shit yeah eva handled it because oh, she did yeah I didn't even say anything about milkshakes and I actually came in early. I got there at three instead of three 30 and I saw him with a giant yes. blender of ice cream that had not been blended yet. <laughs> and he was like, hi, it's nice to meet you. Um, I'm looking for an outlet so I can make your milkshake. Yes. And I was like, Oh, now I feel like garbage. I was like, I can blend it. He does them. And then when I went to, he was like, had a protein shaker and he's like, sorry, I need to shake this for seven more minutes. Do you mind if I just shake this in front of you? And I was like, <laughs> Do you want me to do? And he's like, no, I got it. And I was like, this is odd. Anyway, it was a great time. That's it's so a funny. Behind I can't the wait scenes, to I watch guess. it. I can't wait to watch it. And it will be out by the time you're listening to this. It will have already gone out. So it releases on tomorrow, tomorrow, one thirty. Perfect. Which is Friday at one thirty. It comes so out again to rewatch on Sunday because okay. it comes out live tomorrow mm. at one thirty. And if you don't watch it, apparently I found this out the hard way. You can't watch it until Sunday got or it. something like that. Okay, so, so by the time you hear this, it's out. Yeah, yeah. true, 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 true. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yes, it's out on YouTube TV, so you should check it out. And while you're there... And it's called Happy Half Hour. Get your free trial. Check out mine, too, if you want. You don't have to. Ems is probably more fun, but check don't, mine out, too. Don't listen to Christine. <laughs> um, all oh. right. Um, oh, also, last minute, guys, or not really last minute, but I possibly last warning, we are still at the low ticket mark for uh, Philadelphia on November 7th for our live show, so if you want to go get tickets... Yeah. please do it now there's only a handful left so please sell us out because it will make us look very good to other people and then we can get other shows that's in the right go to um, our website and that's why we drink.com and if you hit tour the tickets are all there uh we're adding shows soon as we keep saying to you i promise that's real i'm not making that up um and there's a lot more coming so we're just getting the site set up for those and now we have a des designated person named nicole who sends us the actual ticket link as soon as it releases yes so we're on it guys so uh, I have either you're really, and this is to the listeners, not just Christine, you're either really going to like this or you're really going to hate this. Nothing's about me anymore. No. And that's how it should be. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Everything should be about you. Everything should be about you. you also, wait, wait, wait. Last, this is a, this is a, a clink, a clink what? toast Why? to you. This is officially one <gasps> month left Today, until 30 days. I'm, I'm drinking Here, out of plastic. Use, this, use our pen cup that Eva bought us. Oh, wait, how about I do the thing? No, the cup. Oh, or that. Okay. Wait. Oh, that was nice had a little reverberation yeah yeah one month away and i finally gave em uh the officiant speech yes i thought i was gonna be writing the speech but i don't have to now so i don't know why you thought that i just assumed like as I mean, your best friend i would but like what part i mean you have to write the part that's like about you and us but you don't have to write like the other stuff <laughs> I don't know are you okay what are you talking about no i like have like a whole like template ready to like write no i don't out. do templates i'm sorry oh okay i just wanted to clink and say congratulations oh, thank you yes i'm very excited that was all. i finally gave you the speech yeah basically um so okay back to what i was saying you're either gonna like this or hate this um <laughs> Good. so make a decision and then keep listening or turn us off but don't turn us off just oh i thought listening. you're talking to me okay no I was it's, like, again, it's not a, all about you. It's like, I'll turn a scene. I'll, I can't get, that's something I can never get through my brain. <sighs> okay. Don't tell people to turn us off. Turn us back on right now. Young man. Why is it a man? It is a man. It is. Um, it's a 12 year old young man. 
<laughs> Tell me more about him. It's Giovanni throwing himself in front of a van. I'm just still mad. Okay. <laughs> the tension is real. Just drink your one. Um, okay. Okay. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. So this is a twofer because I couldn't find a lot of information about either, but I wanted to talk about both, so I was like, I'm just going to smash them together. Okay. And also, I do want to say... I want to give full credit. I know, like, I never thought I would say this, but I want to give full credit to Zach Baggins. What? Um, because... Man, what the fuck? Because when we went on that tour, I still can't stop thinking about it. It was such a great tour, and there were so many things that I wanted... I thought, like, when Eva I went there... just grabbed her drink. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly, like... Although I knew you would love it, and it was, like, a fun thing to do for a bachelorette party... I did like selfishly kind of think like, oh, this is like research. Like yeah. I can like every room will be a new topic. And like, I've got like stories. I mean, tell you that all is still making waves in our podcast community. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I went there and I was like ready to like soak it all in and, and remember names and everything to like look into stuff. And 
I don't know what this means, but every single item in that fucking house, I cannot find any information on except on his show. Fake news. Okay, maybe. I don't know. But, um, I mean, we talked about the doll that Shampi named. Uh, <laughs> she shan't. I already said her name, so hello, goodbye. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but no, so Deadly Possessions is the second show <laughs> that Zach does. What a winner. I don't know if it's a second, but it's not Ghost Adventures. But there are different items that he has in his museum. And, I mean, it's a, it's a good idea for a show in my mind. But the only place I could find information was episodes I mean, that if he, he covered it makes sense because if he's getting stuff personally from people like they might not as be might be and as yeah famous. and he interviews the people that actually owned it before right, so right. like it's personal it's stories like primary sources so if you've ever seen this episode or if i somehow swindle you into watching the episode after this it is going to be rather verbatim it's going to be i'm going to try and do my own spin on it but I don't the information is from that. Yes, source. That makes it's sense. purely from that source because I looked everywhere else and could not find anything. So I'm sorry if this is a little I mean, too similar. I can't imagine you're presenting it the way that Zach Baggins with his glasses would. Well, present it. I can <laughs> if you would prefer. I would prefer it, actually. The best part, because I mean, we all know that like ZB does this little thing where like his <laughs> his voice, he just talks a little so too slow. slow. But I had to watch these episodes on YouTube where like someone like warped the voices so that like because it was like illegal for them to be on YouTube probably. You know how like oh, they like change they slow it. Them down they slowed the voice and it was the video. twice as fucking long his <laughs> because Zach really talked <laughs> like this. And I like I I really was committed to the story to have to go through forty four minutes of that. So <laughs> Anyway, I looked up both of these items, not knowing he actually had covered them on Deadly Possessions. I was just, I lucked out. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And he had covered both of them. What are they? One of them. Can you guess which things I was like super stoked about? Okay, um, you already did the Dybbuk box. You already did PTD. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I remember is the room with the lady who took the Polaroids. Okay, that was the one that I wanted I to do. I remember you more struggled with that. Okay, so there's this woman named lee sober shapiro yeah it, this is not her, this is not the story by the way like good guess but, is what i'm saying but that one i remember you saying there wasn't much i yes i i cannot find anything the only thing i could find was to, from 2009 there is one blog from her granddaughter saying this woman was my grandmother and then that's it that's the only Whoa. information but basically lee sober shapiro from what we learned is that she became very um interested in the paranormal found her own equipment and like, built her own equipment to be able to talk to spirits and she ended up becoming possessed one night and had she a Polaroid went, like, camera where she was taking was pictures wild. of her experience. And basically that night when she had all of the equipment on for the first time and she was taking pictures in like a seance circle. Yeah. She died that night. But there are some pictures that she took before she died where she's clearly not herself. Some of the pictures have like she bite marks like in emaciated. them. It's like very scary. And the weird part is the pictures were all taken in the same night. And in the first picture, she looks like a totally normal, yeah. healthy person. And only four hours later when she supposedly died, she looks like a skeleton. Well, like she looks so fucking then, wild. In the fourth photo, half of it was missing and they yeah. searched the whole house and they never found the other half of the Polaroid. Yeah. And they're like, well, she was home alone. Like nobody knows what happened to the other half, but it like was ripped in half it's very and then the actual pictures are like are they at the museum or were they replicas uh, they were replicas and or it, maybe they were the actual but they had big replicas on the wall okay um but so i was obsessed with that story and i was like wild and creepy. they still and they do have like zach actually has the real equipment in 
in the museum. Yeah, they and had you, a full room of it. Like you it can was... go into a closet where all the equipment is currently on, and you can stand in there by yourself. Well, they have a like... display where they have her. They have like what it looked like in her living room the night that they found her, and it was like yeah. tarot cards, and then like a Ouija board, and then all this like crazy EMF reader shit hooked up. And she apparently said she could reach the netherworld that way or something. It's very creepy. And they have her armchair in there. It's yeah. spooky. So I like was convinced I was going to do that story. Could not find anything about her. And I was convinced that I like remembered her name wrong. I called the museum three different times and spoke to three different employees. And I was like, I need more information did about you talk, this woman. talk to Michael? No, I did not talk to <laughs> Michael, who was our, our tour guide. <laughs> But um, I've I've called several times after the fact looking for information. Well, if you guys know anything else, if just you send can it find in. something, please let us know. Anyway, sorry. So that's not it. Okay. What a tangent. Sorry. So that's uh, the whole story. That's all I know about that. So basically, you get three stories out of me today. <laughs> I'm so, just like pulling them out. The, okay. So the stories I cu- I picked were um, the Ed Gein Cauldron. <gasps> yes. And should I tell them one by one? Do you want another surprise later? Or do you want me to say both of them now? Just say both of them. Um, the other one is the Bella Lugosi mirror. I don't remember that one. It was oh, the interactive yes. one. Yes, where, where we were actually... looking. He's like, ready, go. You can look in the mirror. Yeah. Yes, but we, I don't remember. We will delve into that. We'll I don't delve into Okay, so start with the cauldron. Okay. Would you like to give a quick little thing about Ed Gein, like the quickest paraphrase um, ever? All I really remember from Ed Gein was that he had some sick, twisted thoughts and he would kill people on his property and then turn them into clothing or accessories or furniture and he made like nipple belts and um Mm -hmm. he would put the the worst one in my opinion was where he took people's faces cut them off it was after they died but it was still really disturbing and then he turned it into an apron and they have photos of all this stuff online so be forewarned before you google this at work the photos will come up immediately and he has an apron with just faces like sewed together like a nose is in there it's you can see eyebrows still attached very upsetting um so he was also the um inspiration for leatherface right. from texas chainsaw massacre aka my number one favorite movie please stop asking <laughs> Just, <laughs> i probably get a hundred of those emails Tell us your favorite scary movies everyone's like what's your favorite scary movie i like the texas chainsaw massacre both the original and the one from 2004 i think the original was 1973 mm. um they're both scary in different ways so ed gein ed gein um we also did a we did a full episode on him in the past. I don't know what episode it was, but I don't if you'd either. like to give us a Someone, quick Google. A couple of people have made full logs of every episode, the topics in each episode. Cool. On Reddit and on Facebook. So look at those. Cool. <laughs> and also uh, Ed Gein sidebar is my personal yes. favorite fascinating story That's in the, the serial one killer. And was excited to hear me tell. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Deadly Possessions episode where I got all this information. <laughs> um, I just want to give full credit as well. A man named Dan uh, met up with Zach Baggins, and he was the one that owned the cauldron. Okay. Basically, the cauldron was originally used in his home for, like, actual eating and making stews and shit like that. So I feel like a cauldron kind of leads people to thinking there's some version of witchcraft. <laughs> there's, like, toads in it. Right. <laughs> That's not, it was just an actual, just, like, a cauldron. Like, for stew. Okay. And it's currently sitting in the museum, which we all got to stand around. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that Ed Gein would do is he also did he... Uh, he dug up bodies. Yes, he would take them from graves, fresh graves. So um, if you go to the museum, you will get to stand next to the cauldron and they will warn you not to touch it. Yes. And right above it is the shovel that um, Ed Gein used to use to dig up the bodies as well. Really cute. Really and great. you can see both of them. It's pretty dark. Fabulous. Both of those were owned by Dan. Dan donated them to Zach Baggins because uh, he ended up inheriting them. 
His he lived in <laughs> how nice. I know. They call you in for the will reading. <laughs> you get this cauldron. Um the family his family lived in the area which it's in Wisconsin. I forget what town it was. Um, oh, I don't remember. <clears throat> but it was in Wisconsin. His family had lived in the area since the time of Ed Gein's murders. And his grandma was an antique collector and would go to auctions. And that's how he, she ended up getting the cauldron oh, and the shovel. Okay. Kind of weird though. I wonder what, I wonder how much she knew about what she was getting because yeah. she did know Ed Gein. Right. Cause everyone in that town apparently was so small. Everyone well, knew Well, and you other. would know, especially after an arrest like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they, to Dan, the guy that has these items now, or before he gave them to Zach, he had a neighbor named Hollis. And Hollis was also neighbors with Ed Gein. Okay. So, uh, and Hollis has recently passed away, but Dan was able to tell Hollis' story, and Hollis' son was also on the show, oh, who also told Hollis' story. Man. So, Hollis, um, he apparently was around, uh, he was next door neighbors to Ed Gein when the police discovered all the bodies mm. and everything. And when the, basically when the police found out about Ed Gein's murders, they obviously were the first responders and walked into this building and saw or into this home and saw a bunch of mutilated bodies. And so oh, the it story was, about the shed that they walked into was like so disturbing. It was so this all the bodies that they found, they had to remove them from the house, but the police had never seen anything like that and many of them were like getting sick and couldn't do their jobs. And there were so many bodies and so many items that they couldn't do it themselves. And so they actually went door to door and asked neighbors oh, to volunteer are to you help. Me? And they uh, basically recruited neighbors to help remove the bodies. Oh, God. And because this was also mentioned in the show, but it's a very good point that I didn't even think about, is that because it was such a small town and it was such a close neighborhood, like these people knew <gasps> all of the, the bodies. Victims. Oh, fuck. So like, it's like walking in and like seeing all your friends just mutilated and on an apron. <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> so the neighbors all knew each other. So they were walking in and like seeing all these people that had gone missing. Fuck. Um, and they were having to cut them down and also getting sick. And Hollis was one of the neighbors that helped. Shit. And so was. Um, Dan, the one that was on the show yeah. that has the cauldron, his father, brother-in-law, and cousin also were all people who helped Whoa. clean out the house. So he, although he wasn't involved, he was a little kid. He still right. He was it. adjacent to the whole search. Yeah. And Hollis also, um, once Dan over time inherited it from his grandmother, Hollis went to Dan's house and saw the cauldron, and without like any questions just knew that it was ed gein's cauldron and he remembered it specifically because back before ed gein was known as a murderer hollis used to go to ed gein's house yeah. and with ed gein's parents he would use that cauldron to cook hog fat Whoa. in the winters and he remembers lifting the cauldron or trying to lift it by himself to take it out to the shed and he recognized it without anyone Ugh. so he was like i thought that thing was gone how did you find this thing or how why is it still next door why to is it here yeah. yeah why is it in this area so that's imagine like seeing something like that and thinking it's like long gone and then it's still next door to the murderer just house. haunting you oh so now when he goes near the cauldron he says that he can feel an incredibly dark energy near it and every time he goes he would go near the cauldron, all of the hair on his arms and legs would stand up on their own. This is Hollis? Hollis. Okay. And he just wanted nothing to do with it and never saw it again. So Hollis also has a son named Carneth. A lot of wild names what? here. So Carneth was the guy, other than Dan, that came on the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. The son so of he Hollis. was able to like, right. tell his dad's story. Sure. So one thing about 
that Carnith was able to say is that uh, his aunt, Hollis's sister, actually almost got attacked by Ed Gein oh. on her own. And she ran into the house screaming for, like, someone to help. And her mom heard. So Carnith's grandma heard, like, her daughter get, almost getting attacked by Ed Gein. And oh. so she ran in with a shotgun and put it against his chest and said, get out of here or die. <gasps> what? And, like, he ran off the fuck but then imagine like still having to live next door to that guy yeah and he's just always around still so anyway when hollis was part of the recruited neighbors that were cleaning out this house he apparently told his kid and he also told dan before he died that when he was in there he saw bodies hanging everywhere he also saw two barrels and all that was next to the cauldron god so in the barrels that were next to the cauldron, there was definitely blood and guts. So potentially there was also blood and guts used at some point in the cauldron. As part of the cauldron. But oh. to this day, nobody knows what the cauldron was used for. It could have totally not been used for anything dark. He could have just cooked stew in there. Could have just cooked stew next in there. to all the dead bodies. But also it is big enough to definitely put body parts mm-hmm. in. And it's, it's very large. It's heavily rumored that it was also used right. for that. Although there's no, no way to confirm it. So, quick list of things that the police found. Oh, God. Um, which, this also came directly from Deadly Possessions. I just want to give credit, because I'm saying it pretty Is this the same list I gave at the in the episode? With, like... I don't know. This is a quicker list. Oh, okay. It didn't have, like, the apron or anything. Oh, it's just, well. like, some quick stuff. There's a trash can made of human skin. There was a corset of a female torso that was skinned from shoulder to waist um oh my god. there was a suit made of women's skin oh my god oh so my he could god. dress up and become his mom yep there was a whole head in a burlap sack and the owner of the head her heart was in the stove right next to it obviously classic nipple belt and um there were lips on the window shades yep and to like pull them down with the lips and my personal i didn't think he was going to mention this one but my the one that i always think of is the lampshades made of faces Oh, um, oh no! And then you mentioned the apron. There's truly such an extensive list that like everything that Zach photos wrote, of it. It's horrible. Really, I mean, bravo on how well documented it is, though. Yeah, because it's so still twisted. it's so dark. So, fun fact: if you can find one, <laughs> um, fun dark fact. Fun fact is that Hollis actually saw something that has never been reported on the police <laughs> list. Which was a nipple doorbell. Mm-mm. Yep. A female nipple doorbell. Gross. How? I just that nobody really saw this while it was happening. Or like there was just so much to write down <laughs> he on was a like, list. No. He was gripping her chest. Like, <laughs> Not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> anyway. So Ooh, gross. If you can imagine a fun fact in this, there it was. Sick. So uh, while the police were cleaning out the house, the neighbors were cleaning the garage where the cauldron was. And Hollis, Dan's dad, Dan's brother-in-law, Dan's cousin, and a couple other people all helped lift the cauldron um, and move it out of the garage. But they are the only ones who ever physically touched the cauldron while everyone cleaned that place. Within 18 months, all of those people were dead. What? In different ways. Wait, wait, wait. You said including Dan? No. Dan's dad, Dan's Dan's brother-in-law, and Dan's cousin. Oh, no. And then Hollis... And then um, people that they lived with, so like the energy, like almost like followed them. So home. Hollis too, they all died. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh no! So some of it could have been easily explained away. Um, some of them were just older and probably died of old age. Some of them died of cancer. 
But others, such as Dan's brother-in-law, he literally died just walking upstairs. <gasps> and he, like, was relatively young. Like, he just dropped dead. Fuck. His cousin died from surgery complications that could have easily Fuck. been avoided. Um, his mother, 10 days after an accident where she fell out of a wheelchair, she just fell out of her own wheelchair, and then she died 10 days later. Oh, my God. While keeping the cauldron in his house, Dan saw himself getting really, really, really sick for a long time, and he thinks that the energy might have seeped onto him. What do just you mean by, he saw himself? Like, he just felt really sick. Oh, 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 I thought you meant like he had like a vision or something. Oh, I mean, that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable <laughs> thing to think because that I said he, that, but no, would, he just, he got sick. He okay. found himself to be very got sick. It, got it, got it, got it, got um, it. Once, once the cauldron had left his area, he, he didn't feel sick anymore. Wow. But apparently, Carneth, from what Carneth, who's Hollis's son, from what he says, he assumes that the cauldron was used to cook organs and then either eat them or Christ alive, make things out of no. them. The cauldron, like I said, ended up at Dan's grandma's house. Although this is the same grandma that pointed a gun at his chest at one point and... Oh, no, that's Carneth. Okay. In my head, they were the same uh, grandma. And I was like, you almost killed someone because he attacked your daughter and then you take his cauldron. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no, two different grandmas. Okay, okay, okay. That was my bad. That was my bad. Anyway, so Dan's grandma took the cauldron and used it to put flowers in, made it a giant <laughs> flower pot. Oh, nice. And it Some was carnations. Like, and it's like a big cauldron. It is a big cauldron. <laughs> I know because I've been there and thought. <laughs> um, did not touch it, though. Did not touch it. And no one ever truly found out if anyone was cooking it, although, like I said, the rumors are pretty heavy. So Dan had it in his garage, and he always felt that there was a creepy feeling near it, and he knew people were staring at him, and sometimes he thought he saw shadows hiding behind the cauldron. Oh, fucking hell. In Wisconsin, in the area where Ed Gein committed all these murders, apparently it's still, um, it's potentially folklore, but people are still really bitter about the whole story, and they say that if you're talking about it out loud and give the story energy, you're asking for a death wish. <gasps> so uh... that was Dan and carneth's story about the cauldron but they actually found or zach found um someone else who owned more of ed Gein's possessions one of them was this girl courtney and her boyfriend derek and courtney's parents used to live near the ed Gein house and they in either inherited or just found ed Gein's skis oh surprisingly not made of humans <laughs> um <laughs> oh, we're all uncomfortable no. so Courtney and Derek, apparently, when they were younger, they would investigate the house and try to contact him, which, like, I want to say what idiots, but also me and Deirdre used to do that all the time. Yeah, I was so, going to say, it's like some shit you would pull. I can't, I really am not one to talk. But so, Courtney would take pictures of Derek at the house, and Derek would say that he felt someone there. It was always female. Um, he said he would, like, be able to tell, like, whether it was on his left side or his right side or behind him or in front of him, but... They would ask, like, they would say, hey, take a picture with us. And Derek would stick his arm out as if someone, like, sticking his arm around someone. Oh, like a, like a friendly. Yeah. Okay. Like arm around a person. I thought it was like elbowing them away. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, when they ended up seeing the pictures afterwards, there was like definitely a missed body standing there. <clears throat> and in multiple pictures, the mist had moved from left to right, wherever Derek said that he felt it. No. Um, so... Zach Baggins was very interested <laughs> Enter in Zach. this. <laughs> Enter Zach. He says that it's very interesting that, you know, they feel like there's a, they have a connection to Ed Gein, especially because these skis, they, the skis belong to Courtney's parents, and the parents were actually supposed to come on the show, but then the day before they were supposed to be on the show, 
or like that morning or something courtney's sister had a stroke mm. uh, and what and so courtney and her boyfriend went on the show on behalf of her parents what? because her parents had to be at the hospital the fuck but courtney did make sure to say my parents believe it's because ed Gein was pissed and like didn't want them to talk about him or something How like that fucked up is that and so like what are the odds that like someone who's like in her 20s and healthy and all that just <gasps> had a stroke like, intervened somehow yeah Ugh. like didn't want sick so that being said courtney and Derek came on and zb was all about it of course he was and so he said well since you guys feel like you have a connection and i have the cauldron here how about we get out the spirit box and like oh, maybe God like sakes. the energy will like all you know mingle <sighs> So apparently there were massive spikes on the EMF when near the cauldron and the spirit box got the word evil and Ugh. then a door slammed Ugh. on camera. And then uh, there was another, they asked what is attached to this cauldron and the spirit box said death. Oh, great. And apparently the voice that kept coming out was a female voice. I didn't know that because the video was warped and it sounded like a man, <laughs> but they were like this female voice. And I was like, was that a female? Voice? <laughs> um, I wish that was my fucking voice. <laughs> um, so, uh, the female voice from the spirit box, this was kind of an interesting point that Zach had is that because, um, because Ed Gein always dressed up as a woman oh. and, maybe potentially wanted to to be female at some point maybe his voice is female in the afterlife and so even though he's maybe you're talking to one of his victims or he's disguising himself as a he's female like, this so is you, my identity or whatever yeah or it might or he might not identify as female but he's still pretending that he has a female voice so zach and courtney would feel more Ew, safe that's, to that's talk the to creepiest him. option of all yeah so um they asked the questions specifically for Ed and said, do you like that other people own your item? And in a female voice, it said no. <gasps> so now it makes you think like, oh, that just gave me chills. I like to think of it in like the happy gender identity way of like maybe in your afterlife, you like finally you pick your you finally sound the way you always wish you did. I don't know. I'm trying to like, good. Let's be happy for Ed Gein. I don't know. I'm trying to make lemonade right now. I, <laughs> I'm trying to make transgender lemonade, man. Um, so you always trying to make transgender lemonade. I'm so I like citrus it. and I like LGBT rights and sue me. Put them together. And what do you get? <laughs> you get Ed Gein in the afterlife. Ugh. So uh, then they said, do you like that the cauldron's going to be in this building with other dark energy? And the answer said, the spirit box said yes. They ended up stopping the interview. And right before they ended, Courtney said that she started to feel pain in her back. Oh. And she sensed that someone was standing behind her. Oh, good. So that's that on that for the Ed Gein cauldron. That is that on that, baby? Okay, we are 50% done. Oh, God. All right. Sorry. No, you're fine. Okay, so the next one is the Bella Lugosi mirror. Okay, this I don't remember much about, so I'm excited. And like a like a yeah. anticipation. Yeah, one. I'm like, I remember it being creepy, but I don't remember the details. Well, I had a good time with this one because this episode on YouTube was warped in a way where the voices were sped up. <laughs> and so not only was it faster to watch, but ZB sounded like a normal person. So they were like, this is a male voice. And it was like, me, 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 me. Well, instead of talking like this, he finally talked like a normal person. And I was like, <laughs> wow, Zach, all like, right. Zach, who knew it only took a little bit of speeding up to make you sound all like it a normal All it took was a fast human. forward. Okay, so the Bela Lugosi mirror. I'm personally a very big Bela Lugosi fan. 
because I my dad had me watch Abbott and Costello growing up. Oh, and sure. in the um, movie Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, aka one of my favorite Halloween movies. Right. Bella Lugosi is in the movie. And so that's where I first ever saw him. But he is known, like he's known known in Hollywood as like the main guy to have ever played Dracula. Right. Okay, okay. Now I'm remembering. Yeah. Um to a point where he's so famous for playing Dracula in several movies and several, like, everywhere. Like, if there was, like, an opportunity to, to cast a Dracula, Bela Lugosi was the guy. Sure. Um, so famous for playing Dracula that he's buried in Hollywood Cemetery in a Dracula cape. Yes. Blaze brought me there on our haunted, on my birthday to the, like, haunted cemetery tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're all caught I remember up. that. So, in Bela Lugosi's house... There was a producer that lived with him named Frank Seletri. Frankenstein. Um, no. Close. Dracula. Is that who he played? Um, <laughs> I don't remember. No. <laughs> you said it 30 seconds ago. Who does he play? <laughs> well, he doesn't play anyone. He's a producer. No, the other guy. Oh, Bella Lugosi plays Dracula. Dracula. I said Frankenstein. Never mind. <laughs> Frankenstein is met, buried in a Dracula but cape. But he met, Frank, he met Frankenstein in the Halloween movie. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Well, in Abbott and Costello, it's misleading because it's Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, but he, they actually meet Frankenstein, Dracula, and Werewolf. Okay, so yeah, I was very confused about... And then they okay. also, at the end, meet the Invisible Man. All right, spoilers, God. Look, it came out in the 40s. If you haven't seen it yet, you clearly <laughs> don't want to see it. I have 30 more years before our 100-year mark. Okay, <laughs> give me some time. Um, So, Frank Seletri was a producer that lived in Bella um, Bella's house, and the person who actually showed up on the Deadly Possessions show was that producer Frank's niece. Oh, were they like together, or did they just? No, I know, no, no, no. That's a good question. But no, I think they oh. were just like roommates. I mean, it's LA. You say you can be as like I mean, it's a forty bougie as you want. Roommates, <laughs> wink, fair. wink. I don't know. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> but nope. okay, I was just curious. Okay, um, who knows is really the answer to that. Got it. Got it. Got it. So. Frank lived in the house, and his niece, Cindy, is the one that inherited the mirror over time, and Got now it. she's donating the mirror to Zach on the show. Got it. So, Frank was murdered in 1982. Oh, God. In a house. And just for everyone to feel a little more interactive with this, when we went on the tour, this is in the room with several um, haunted paintings. Oh, yeah. And it currently when he when the tour guide is talking about this it is covered with a dark black drape so that it, you can't look into it by accident <laughs> so creepy and then he tells you the story of what happened and then one by one says if you would like to leave <laughs> you're more than welcome to but i'm about to take off the drape and you you know have the opportunity to look into the mirror like one-on-one -on -one, basically one-on-one -on -one, and then you can leave and the next person will look in the mirror after that I think Renee was like, I'm out. <laughs> oh, I think Eva too. Eva, yeah, Eva didn't look. Eva, Renee, and like maybe two other people were like, bye y'all. <laughs> Eva's like, I deal with enough of this shit every Thursday night. I don't need more. Yeah, right. Eva's like, I get paid uh, somewhere else to listen to like, this bullshit. I was like, we didn't make her sign a waiver or anything. <laughs> we can't have her Eva, get... you're more than welcome to leave, but also please don't ever fucking leave. <laughs> sign a waiver first. <laughs> um, so Frank was... And you're going to remember as soon as I give you some of the details. So Frank's actually the woman's uncle. Mm -hmm. He was murdered in Bella Lugosi's house in 1982. Um, it is suggested that it was a mob hit, although they never found the guy that actually killed him. Um, but the niece personally thinks it must have been a close friend because there was no, like, didn't look like there was any foul play or anything. Okay. So, true to form, Zach asks for details on her uncle's death. <laughs> um, really slowly. Really slowly. <laughs> Um, and this is what you're going to remember. So <laughs> okay. Frank 
they found Frank on his knees, leaning against his bed. So like his basically his face was on top oh, of the mattress while god. he's leaning up on his knees. Oh god! Someone had you ready for your memory to flip back? Ready. Someone had taken a screwdriver <gasps> to his knees and elbows. Oh, I remember screaming bloody murder about this. Um, ah! I don't like that at all. M. Someone took a screwdriver into his, driven into his knees and elbows. Okay, all right. And then uh, they shot him in the head, oh and then they tried to remove the bullet with the screwdriver. Oh, my God. I do remember this. I was like, I'm not going to remember that. Yep, I remember. He was found days later. Oh, fuck. And the mirror was in the room that he was murdered in. Well, no wonder it's fucking haunted. So people think that the murder was, and I think he actually said this on the tour, the murder was the or the mirror was the only witness to the murder. It just gave me chills. It's so cheesy, but it gave me chills. <laughs> I remember him saying that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and supposedly mirrors are portals and they capture energy. Right. And so the fact that it bore witness to that, you know, it could carry some dark stuff. Sure. And then I literally, I want you to read it. So you know that I'm not kidding or like pulling <laughs> a joke. What is the next, the highlighted note that I have? Uh huh. It says, <laughs> Then Zach goes on a tangent, and here's my edition, just like M does. <laughs> Zach and I are one. I think that's why I like kind of really love him. You relate, yeah. <laughs> then Zach goes on a tangent, highlighted in green. <laughs> so um, Zach goes on a tangent where he explains how mirrors are rumored to be portals. I feel like you and I hate him because we're like I hate him because he's so, so much similar. like me. We want to hate it's him. It's like I'm half Zach Baggins and half Michael Scott. <laughs> and i really what a great combo and i don't know which one i hate to love more or you hate love to, to love hate. the right or lo yeah love to hate yeah i don't know what it is but i get it i want people to fear me so much that they love me <laughs> <laughs> okay so zach explains how mirrors are rumored to be portals and then he talks about scrying where you can um it's basically like a meditation practice where you look into the mirror long enough and you see another form of yourself or you can Have see you into the future that? I'm terrified too. I used to do that and it scared. Can you, when can, I was really little. Would you see stuff? Yeah. And it scared the shit out of me. What would you see? When I was really little one time I stared into a mirror for like 30 some minutes and my face completely changed to something else <gasps> and it started to scare me so badly but I couldn't look away and then it felt like there were other people behind me and I was just watching myself. I mean, I was like six. Well. And I'm still terrified of it. I, I mean, I did. The first time I actually ever heard about this was in one of my classes because I said psych. And right. so they, there was a whole lesson on like mind games and mind yeah, tricks. Yeah, I just always you, assumed it was my brain. Yeah, and if you stare at something long enough, then supposedly you just start seeing because your mind makes like connections and yeah, yeah. So there is that theory, and I think I just like to happily use that excuse so I don't have to believe in this stuff. But, but mirrors do kind of freak. But me even out. that, it like even though knowing now, like that was fully in my own mind, it was very creepy how your face can mutate like in front yeah. of your eyes. It's very very scary. So. He also, so he talks about scrying and how a lot of people will actually do that during dark rituals. Oh, um, God. And some. My five year old self is like, yep, on it. <laughs> God damn. Well, you were really prepping for this podcast. I told you I threw myself in front of vans. I had a really rough time. <laughs> people claim that they can see sp uh, supernatural beings, they'll see versions of themselves that look a little off, things like that. Apparently, Bella Lugosi practiced the occult. Which makes sense if you're going to be like the poster child for Dracula. <laughs> That's a very fair um, point. And so this was the tangent is that this is entirely made of assumption. But potentially, if Bela Lugosi did practice the occult, like it's been on record, 
And if he did scry using a mirror and he did use that mirror, then perhaps he could have opened like opened it up as a portal to collect energy. Mm. And then it happened to be the only witness to a murder. So like, so it had been already open up to the energy and then it, it would have already been used as something to right, go back right. and forth in a different world. And well, all now that. I need you to say it a lot slower and a lot more dramatically. I don't want to. <laughs> it wasn't the full <laughs> it effect. It would take too long. Um, <laughs> So basically the idea is that the killer's energy could have gotten trapped in this mirror portal if the mirror had ever been previously used as a portal. Ugh. Okay. Um, so then Zach was like, Cindy, like, have you, while it's been in your possession, have you ever experienced anything? And Cindy's daughter, who actually refused to be on the show because apparently the mirror has fucked her up so much. Oh. She said she brought the mirror with her when she moved out of the house. And when she would look in the mirror, she would see a black figure standing behind her playing with her hair. She could, what? She, oh, God. Could, she would feel her hair getting played with and she would feel like hit her shoulder as if someone dropped her like ponytail or something onto uh! her back. She would also see this being, this black shadow, climb out of the mirror. Fucking hell. She would see it three-dimensionally climb out of the mirror and like actually like just like in a movie, see the hand come out first and like hold onto oh, the wall and pull itself out God. of the mirror. And she could see, um, she would feel it bite her neck. Ah, what? Which interesting duality since it's Dracula. <gasps> Very. So that is just Whoa. further proof that maybe this guy who was known to play Dracula was might have himself. used this mirror during some dark stuff. And there was some remnant of him left or yeah. a sign that he was around. And that is just beyond creepy. So she was. No wonder she didn't want to deal with this on TV. God. Well, so she was so scared that she actually moved back home and moved in with her little sister. Like moved into her childhood home where her 14 year old sister still was. Got it. Okay. Um, I mean, I did that too. I just had student loans, but. (laughs) Everyone's scared of something. Everyone's scared of something. Um, So her sister, Irene, actually did come on the show and talk on behalf of her sister. And said that her sister never wanted to be alone ever mm. never wanted to be near any mirrors and eventually told irene about the figure that she saw and said that she would actually see the hand reach out and grab her and she would feel it with the fingers wrap around her what the fuck the sister they also never used her name so i just have to keep saying sister sure the sister began seeing oh so after the sister told irene what she saw in the mirror the sister um irene After Irene had been told, Irene began seeing things herself, and her older sister asked to, like, go to a priest. She has to go to counseling. Nothing worked. She just had this, like, consistent paranoia, and apparently it became a regular piece of, like, daily living in their lives. They just Mm -hmm. always talked about this mirror and what they saw. So the mirror stayed in the house for years after that, but just, like, hidden somewhere. And then um, Irene, who had never seen any, had never seen anything really scary or never experienced anything too wild... She moved out, and as soon as she left, their bedroom became vacant, and so um, their parents just put the mirror in that room since no one was in there, and Irene came to visit and stayed in her room. No! And she hadn't made the connection yet. She didn't realize that... She just thought she felt really uncomfortable, but she excused it off as like, oh, I don't live here anymore. It's weird that I'm home. Right, sure. So she went to bed and woke up from a nightmare of some black shadow attacking her and holding her down. Good. It had a solid black face and hands, and it was scratching her nonstop. She woke up with scratches all over her body and places she could have not reached, including the center of her back. Okay. And all the scratches had broken skin. Oh! 
The mirror apparently likes people talking about it and it feeds off the energy. Shut the fuck up right now. Stop it. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense to other people, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I can, I've felt that before. Where like, if you're talking about something and oh, a hundred percent, whatever's there is definitely you're both feeding dark off dark, and it likes totally. that you're talking about it totally. So as the interview was going on, oh, she kind of got more and more shaky because she could feel that it enjoyed. You're giving it power yeah. by talking about it. Sure, exactly. Yeah. So basically, the final theory out of that interview was that the killer after after killing Frank. Um, looked in the mirror and became possessed to kill Frank beforehand or after the murder, um, he became connected to the mirror. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like he might've looked in a mirror that had bad energy, became possessed and killed someone, which would make sense since it was a potentially a close friend since they were already in the house, in the same house and they um, never figured out who did it. Right. Right. Wow. So it could have been possessed beforehand and then killed him or killed him. And then part of his energy stayed in that room and attached to the mirror. Or even if someone else did it, it could have still been a part of yeah it could have still been what what did i say like the wit the mirror like bore witness to it that could still have taken the negative energy right um i liked you saying my notes so much i'm gonna make you do it again this what? was what do you mean this was the um the the final part of the interview zach goes up to the mirror and then can you read the next oh part? this part i like this, this. i feel like i'm in like a school play okay <laughs> okay we'll get ready this is basically at the end of a really dark heavy interview <laughs> In classic Zach Baggins' uh-huh. slow, deep voice, this is what happens. Zach Baggins looks intimately, <laughs> looks intimately into the mirror and asks it, quote, what is inside of you? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. He, he looks intimately into the mirror. And he goes, what is inside of you? What the frick? What, you think, the, what the frick, man? That's what Zach says in bed. That's what she said. But it's Zach. That's what Zach says. Um, God, we're going to get sued. In bed. <laughs> it's like a fortune cookie. But anyway, he said, he, <laughs> said, he said, what is inside of you? And I lost my mind because I just thought it was like. <laughs> I guess glasses. I mean, it's like definitely something I personally asked in my mind. I was like, what is going on with that mirror? But like just hearing it out loud, I was like, this is funny. Yeah, but if we asked the mirror, we'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Not like, what is inside of you? <laughs> so, okay. So he did an experiment, which is a very. um. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna keep going. There. Hang on. <clears throat> Breathe. It's the final part. I need to like really zen myself out. <laughs> so there is an experiment that he decided to do with this mirror, where Great. he would put it in downstairs. Okay, so you both were there. Do I you don't know. Eva ran away, which <laughs> I'm kind of regretting. I didn't. So. All right. So do you remember walking through the house, and then there was like technically a basement where there were like a ch- there was a chained off stairs, and then our tour guide said only Zach goes down there with like. Oh, there was that creepy doll at the bottom yeah yes there was a creepy doll down there and he said they use that as a seance room only like the most like, like professional like professional like psychics and right go down investigators there. only like a very elite amount of people yes. are allowed to be there because right. apparently there's something so dark down in that basement that zach does not want anyone messing with it right well before they found that out and i knew because in the show they had footage of what's going on in the basement because clearly like they didn't know how dark it was yet yeah so Apparently that basement used to be an isolation chamber Oh, where like that made by Zach and his crew where they would put haunted things down there and experiment and like oh, study. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So he put the mirror down in the isolation chamber and then he recruited some of uh, his crew members to go downstairs in the empty room in the basement by themselves and stare into the mirror and then like report back on like what they saw. Okay. Oh God. Can you imagine? Including a PA on her first day. <laughs> that's just mean she like 
he was like, okay, so he made her stick her hand up and like swear that she gave permission for this. I bet. Imagine your first day and you're like, oh, I'll never be on camera. And then bam, I have to be in an isolation basement with oh, a haunted mirror. Oh, she was mirror. filmed doing this. Yeah. Oh, they put fuck. her on camera. They had like Aaron they and They were like, Ashley. who's the most vulnerable person here? They were like, oh, this is your first day? Come who's on. Who's getting paid the least amount of money? <laughs> right. So Ashley and Aaron, who are regulars on Ghost Adventure... Um, yeah, I got in trouble last time for mixing up like Nick and Aaron. Listen, I don't know. I don't watch the show. Sorry. Uh, Ashley and Aaron uh, at separate times, they all went down there individually and it was recorded their reactions and all that. They both heard scuffling and they both saw the same lights moving behind them at the same like in the same way. Ew. Like afterwards, they both talked and was like, it was on your right, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on the right. And it was like moving in a certain way where it was like it should have been it should have been. Um, I guess like the light should have been dimming, but if for some reason it was getting brighter in one section only of the room and they both were like, I thought like that, that part of it was over. I thought you were like giving us like a light signal that let's like come up. I was going to say, was it Zach standing there with his cell phone? No, but like if you watch the recording that there's no light going on, oh, like weird. they were just, they just saw it. Well, basically Zach had them essentially scrying where they were just sitting there staring, there, the, staring oh. to the mirror and they both over time, both saw a light. I tell you, them especially in, the, in the dark, if you stare into like, it's, have you ever stared into the mirror in, in the dark that's yeah. even worse your it, it's contorts your whole face so they both heard scuffling and saw the same lights um ashley saw herself but something seemed off yeah and aaron saw himself as really old Ooh. like he says he saw himself very very old yuck the pa was a little <laughs> homie and didn't see anything and didn't just didn't flinch wasn't scared she just kind of blankly stared until someone called her up <laughs> she was like i'm gonna get out of here <laughs> So they left the mirror in the basement overnight and they came back the next morning and the basement had flooded. What? And Zach Baggins had all the, he like took a video on his phone and they put that footage into the show. And it's truly like at least a foot of water is in there and you can hear the wildest banging. Like, ew, not just like little taps, like something is pissed. Is it the and pipes? It, it was not pipes. Oh. Whatever that sound was, it was not pipes. But like, it was like, it sounded like someone was taking a baseball bat to a garage door. Like it sounded like obvious like i want you to know that i'm here rattling what the fuck and then zach even said like what was that sound and then it happened again i don't know i am a sucker for like believing in anything paranormal so i'm like all for it um you know they don't never mind but basically there was <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> don't don't drag me I'm down like, they man. can't make sound effects in posts it's not like that's a thing <laughs> anyway the the floor was flooded and there it's were very creepy. several bangs Especially against the, flood, the wall because they wouldn't have they wouldn't have willingly flooded their own place right with that's just yeah and the only yeah. thing down there was the mirror so. very creepy and that's that on that oh god that was a lot man I know I gave you guys heavy. a lot of information well, I'll tell you I'm what sorry. and we used to have this these mirror doors back here glad they're not here now and it broke last week so Blaze removed it thankfully. So there's no reflection behind me anymore, but it used to creep me out to have the mirror behind me. I don't, I'm not into it. Well, <laughs> I I don't have a lot of mirrors in my house either, probably for that reason. Well, they are creepy. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. 
Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, my turn? Yes. Okay. This is the story of David Edward Most. And I hadn't heard of him, actually, until I did these notes. So Yeah, I don't know who that is. So he's... It's a pretty fucked up story. Mm. Not that that should be a surprise to anybody. Right. Um. So this guy, David, he was born in Connellsville, Pennsylvania in 1954. And uh, although his name has Amish origins, he was not raised Amish, but he was in that part of Pennsylvania where, like, the pennsylvania amish or pennsylvania dutch mm-hmm. um his father divorced and left the family when he was seven and according to records his mother was diagnosed as psychotic um and she had david confined to an institution when he was only nine years old claiming he set fire to his younger brother's bed and then tried to drown him in a local lake oh my god but um this is disputed because his mother was also not considered a reliable witness because she had a lot of mental health issues right um and so that's kind of like a little bit wishy-washy um, but nevertheless, he was sent to an institution at age nine, and that kind of set off like a whole series of terrible behaviors for the rest of his life. He later said that the institution was filled with children who were there more often than not because their family members were mentally ill and couldn't or wouldn't take care of them, mm. which is just so like, like a drop-off center. Yeah, for a lot of people. Um, so that's just really heartbreaking. And for that same reason, he felt that his mother had dumped slash abandoned him there. So for the rest of his life, he kind of felt like he had been abandoned by his own family. Um, and so to his credit, staff at the institution did not observe, like, the lying and stealing and out-of-control behavior that his mother had accused him of. However, he did have an early history of violence. He choked two of his friends, didn't kill them, but choked them, like, pretty severely Yeesh. when for no apparent reason when he was young. And he explained about one of them. He's like, yeah, we were just watching TV and I took a rope and just started <gasps> choking him. You and- know what? One time, I'm sorry. One time. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. Tangent. <laughs> One time, this is like one of my mom's favorite stories of when she was a little kid, which makes her sadistic in her own way. Oh, God. Um, she was 
a little kid, but like old enough to know what was right from wrong. And her older sister was watching TV and had like a like spaghetti strap shirt, so like her like shoulder oh, was God. showing. And I guess my mom was really hungry or something, but she just <laughs> saw my sister's shoulder or her sister's shoulder and was like, "That looks like a really good piece of meat." And like just what the fuck bit down as hard as possible. <laughs> what the fuck and then like and she remembers it so vividly because she remembers as it was happening she was like what the fuck am i doing and she was like six I'm like five about or to six get punched in the face yeah well i think that's probably what happened Woof. but she remembers like just biting her with all her might like just to see what would happen and i think that was when my mom like she had her her aware her awareness came in and she was like i yeah. need to stop this well now. it's interesting because i feel like that could go one of two ways like I know, one it, like this is not good or two like great this is the rest of my life now right. i will now bite people i'm glad that out of like 50 50 chance like we, we <laughs> yeah. went the right way your mother's not a cannibal it's great right <laughs> but she she remembers specifically biting in and there's being so like, much of that fucked up stuff when you hear about kids they do stupid shit to like oh practice. why did this such stupid shit yeah like i'm i'm glad i decided no on all of those things yeah but you never know <laughs> like if you something super enjoyable people will uh, just stick with it so anyway i you saying like oh he, they were just watching tv and he and just he just looked him. over and thought this is a good idea my mom's had that exact same thought at, yes. at some point apparently and thankfully she went a different way than this guy yeah she stopped <laughs> after one time so yeah it was it was a similar concept because he would look over and he said like he just felt like someone else was in his body and he like couldn't control it. and he's like i know this is my friend but i just couldn't control it which is just very sad mm -hmm. so he um so he choked but not killed two of his friends for no reason. And his brother remembered David beating a squirrel to death with <gasps> a baseball bat for fun one oh day. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's when you know things are not looking good. That, yeah, that's, that's that's when you know. one of those signs where you're like, let's, let's start looking into doctors. Yeah, let's uh, let's get this treated ASAP. So, I mean, that also can go one way. Either completely. you hate it or you're like, you become why did I Sugar do Bush's mom. <laughs> sure, yeah. You're like, I need to care for one squirrel for the rest of my life. <laughs> Oh, put her in a little tutu. Um, <laughs> the same brother also recalled that David had been molested at an early age by mm. a, uh, apparently a family member, and they didn't reveal who. Reveal who. Yikes. Um, and then at this institution, to his credit, David was pretty well behaved, but he just was super despondent over his mother's failure to visit him regularly. So, like, it, like, really got to him that his mother kind of abandoned him, and that kind of was a complex that he built up. Got it. And after he left the hospital or the institution, he came to live at a children's home where, at age 13, he was molested by another boy Okay. Um, at the child home. And so that children's home, which, again, was another thing that added to his just, like, confusion about life and, like, mm -hmm. struggle. Um, and at one point, he actually managed to escape, and the first thing he did was go to a Cubs game. Um, where he later said Chicago beat Houston 12 to eight, uh, okay. <laughs> which the only reason that's relevant is that a lot of his later memories, including the super violent ones are like bracketed by detailed account of sporting events. Weird. So he would like, yeah, like phrase what was going on around like the score, the Chicago cup score or like whatever. I get that. NFL team was win like, he was just able to kind of map out what happened through sports scores, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. So after the Cubs game, uh, he returned home to his mother's house. And he was, again, a teenager at this point. And his mother had remarried and didn't want him at the house. Um, and apparently, quote, she got a knife and was coming at me with a knife telling me to get out of her house right now or she was going to stab me. Whoa. 
And then later she apologized and said, I'm sorry, I just don't want you in my house. And I was reading like, I'm sorry, it's not me. It's you. Please fucking leave. I mean, yeah. And like, it sounds terrible, but I was reading like um, her statements later and she was like, you have no idea how scared I was of my own son. Like I tried so hard with him and then I can't even imagine. He was so violent with his brother and with other kids that like I was scared to have in my own house. And I was like, that's actually really heartbreaking. So yeah. Yeah. And she knew he was supposed to be in the children's home. So like he had clearly escaped and. So it's kind of like a double-sided story. It's hard to say who was in the wrong at that point. Um, And so as a young adult, like, he finally got out of the home, and he worked in construction for a while, but he was fired after he crashed a company truck, Mm. um, which I feel like, you know, isn't... uh, That's a good reason. Yeah, I feel like that could relate to plenty of teenagers. You can't be surprised. (laughs) Right, right. Not the worst thing. So when he was 17, his mother took him to an army recruiter, And in 1971, when he turned 18, he enlisted in the Army. He completed basic training at Fort Lewis and was stationed in Frankfurt, Germany. Hmm. So while he was there, he served as a cook and he was like pretty normal and like a good guy. And they, you know, by all standards. And um, he was apparently a really good bowler, too. Hmm. And he averaged scores as high as 297, which is like super duper good. Yeah. Um, And he won a lot of awards and money in his Army Bowling League. Which I feel like my stories always end up turning back to bowling leagues. I feel like you look for any excuse to talk about when we were both on bowling leagues. I have leagues. a complex about it because I was so bad that I think I just need to keep bringing it up to be like, I bowled one time. One day, if I talk about it enough, <laughs> I won't hate myself. My average will go from 100 to 297. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only did it to like date a guy and it didn't work. So. Right, right, right. I, I, just I only did it for the Tom and Jerry cheese bowl. I mean, that's a better reason. Let's be honest. Yeah. And a more successful one, it sounds like. Um, well, I still have the bowling ball. That's about as far as we got. Okay. I it is a little weird that we both have our own bowling balls. Like, I don't think that's... We a... should go bowling sometime with our old-ass bowling balls. I just feel like that would be exactly what we need to do. Okay, when I go back home for Christmas, I'll bring back my bowling ball. Great. All right, cool. Eva, that's settled. get a bowling ball. I love bowling. Oh! Eva, write that down. <laughs> Eva, write down that you love bowling in case you forget. Because we will. <laughs> Yeah, I will remember. I'm going to ask her in a month, like, hey, have you ever bowled before? Like a fucking asshole. <laughs> hey, are you American? Never been bored on a rainy Sunday? <laughs> My stepmom used to be, she's her favorite thing ever that I ever said, which is just weird and embarrassing. But we would like meet people when we were on ski trips or wherever we were. And she'd go, Christina, t-, people would say, oh, what are you you're from? Where are you from? Cincinnati. Oh, what do you do there for fun? And apparently one time when I was like nine, I went. I don't know. I guess we go bowling. And it was like her favorite line. And so every time we met someone, she'd be like, tell them what we do for fun. And I have to be like, I guess we go bowling. I mean, isn't that what Cincinnati is known for? So. <laughs> and it became like this horrible joke. And I was like, this is just embarrassing and sad. Anyway, I guess we go bowling. So we'll talk about it in like five more episodes. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it again and again and again. So don't <laughs> worry. We're never going to give it up. Um, anyway, speaking of bowling in Germany, that's when he committed his first murder. Wow. <laughs> so according to, t- it's really fucked up. Oh my God. Let's get dark, guys. Transition. Whoop, whoop, whoop. According to David's diary, he, okay, this is just where it gets bananas. Yeah. He awoke in his room to find a boy he had befriended named Jimmy sleeping naked on top of him. <gasps> And he was also undressed. Okay. And at that point, he kind of flipped. Right. And a month later, he uh, invited this boy named Jimmy on a moped ride. No, Jimmy. No, not good. Uh, in a nearby forest. 
And while they were out kind of near the woods, he took a knife out, led the boy into the woods where he tied him to a tree and beat him. Homophobia is a great, a great, great thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not pretty. That's kind of the thorough line of this whole so is story. he do we know if he's gay i mean it sounds like internalized homophobia it's at the fucking max. i think that's exactly what it is and when he was younger like he'd also been like um victimized by a lot of teenage boys so i don't right, know right, if right. there was like a so he might have still not known a trauma traumatic thing i'm not sure what the what the right. what it was but he does say later that like yeah it was usually boys he f- was attracted to that he would got it feel just like anger toward just very sad sounds like internalized homophobia exactly um so he beat this boy up with his fists and then a board and then um carried him further into the woods and buried him under some leaves uh and he died and then apparently he revealed in his diary later that he had promised himself nearly seven months earlier that he would kill jimmy when the boy had grown out his hair maybe he was attracted to it Maybe. Like yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe. He said, quote, I thought to myself at that moment that when Jimmy gets long hair, I'm going to kill him. When I killed Jimmy on that or, day, Jimmy uh, had long hair. Jeez. My thought was like, I mean, maybe if he grew out his hair, he was looking kind of girly. Like effeminate. He was yeah. being effeminate. And obviously you should I mean, kill gay have, people. And he must have known too- he was going to grow out his hair if he's like, oh, in seven months when he grows out his hair or whatever. Like, yeah. He must have... Maybe Jimmy said, like, oh, I plan on growing it right. out. Weird. Yeah, very weird. Very psychologically disturbed. Oh, um, my gosh. So about a month later, his body was found in a bomb crater and a friend of a friend of his, a friend of David's, revealed that and said um, that... Uh, sorry. David's defense lawyer argued that the boy died after... He crashed the moped because apparently he said some teens threw a screwdriver into the spokes <gasps> of the tires, and Ugh. that's how Jimmy died. So basically, David said so he got away with it, it was an accident. So David was convicted of manslaughter because prosecutors couldn't find any witnesses and just like couldn't find the right proof they needed. So he went. He was sentenced to three years in jail for that. Okay, and he was sentenced in Leavenworth, Kansas. So, after he was released from Leavenworth, uh, David's behavior got worse. Jeez. Uh, his mother said her said that David would visit her after he got out of jail. And she once said he came down to our place with a friend. Before two or three weeks were up, he stabbed that same friend in the stomach <gasps> and pulled the knife all the way up. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, that's, again, his mother's like, this is what happens when I'm like letting him come be close to me or whatever like she just didn't know how to handle him so do you think do you think something might have happened in prison that like made his behavior exacerbate or yeah i don't know i mean it sounds like this was just something that was kind of or like he's already stewing happening yeah because it sounds like he got close to this first boy oh and then it just went i understand you know i hear you because this was another friend she said he brought his friend over and within two weeks that friend was dead too which is just like do you think he might have been attracted to that friend? maybe too? maybe yeah i don't know that's a good point Devel- like as soon as he develops a crush he a like feeling. hates himself for it, and so he gets rid of the problem yeah if you know what i'm saying he like gets the anger it's yeah. really messed up jeez yeah in 1979 in his apartment in chicago david also stabbed a close friend while he was sleeping so yeah maybe it's a similar God, these guys don't even have a chance no they're, just, they're not even doing anything wrong they're just sleeping no and then he was tried for attempted murder um in 1981 so two years later he uh decided david decided to find and kill the 13 year old boy who had molested him at the children's home 
So he decided now is my time to like get revenge, basically. So um, he went on a mission to find this boy and he was unable to find him. But instead, he found 15 year old Donald Jones and decided to kill him instead. Okay. (sighs) Which is like, it's one thing if you're getting like revenge for like being victimized like and somehow like, you can rationalize that. yeah but like you can't just find someone else and be like hmm, he'll do like that's not how that works weird i wonder if he was like just in the like did he look the same did he yeah there must have been a similarity he must have fit some sort of standard i would think or he was just desperate for someone and to get the anger out yeah. or something yeah so um he decided to kill donald jones instead he was eventually god drowned in, in a quarry a local quarry so David drowned this 15-year-old in a local quarry. This same year in Texas, uh, David stabbed a 14-year-old boy, was arrested and sentenced to five years for causing bodily injury to a child. So the boy didn't die, but he stabbed him and he was um, jailed for that. Okay. And this is an excerpt. So the, I think it was a Chicago Guardian. No, that's wrong. Chicago, the Chicago Tribune. So the Chicago Tribune got a copy of his diary from jail. Some of these excerpts explain, like, what was going on in his own head mm-hmm. while all of this was happening. So um, this is what he had to say. When I got locked up in the army, and then especially when I got locked up in 1981, I knew I should never be let out again. I didn't know how to act around other people, and I was never taught how to make friends and keep them. When an inmate says he doesn't want out, I hope that somebody listens. Jeez. So he was in jail, and he asked to please not be released. So in 1982... Uh, he was in jail in Texas, and he was extradited to Illinois for the Donald Jones murder, the 15-year-old. And a county sheriff wrote on a cover sheet of the extradition papers, bad guy, Gacy type. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is like bad news bears. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not a good sign. Uh, he was originally found unfit to stand trial and was held in mental health facilities. And ultimately, after those hospitalizations and roughly 10 years in jail awaiting trial, David finally pleaded guilty in 1994 and was sentenced to 35 years. But he received credit for the 12 years that he had already been held and time off for good behavior. What? So he only served 17 years and was released in 1999. And then there was a fact sheet sent to the Illinois Department of Corrections um, by the Cook County State's Attorney Office that said, quote, this inmate is most likely the most dangerous inmate you will ever house. Wow. So the prosecutor urged that David be kept incarcerated, but under the law, he was eligible for this early release, which is when he wrote that passage of like, I'm begging them to keep me in jail. Right. But they were like, well, you're eligible for release. And he even wrote a five page letter to the Illinois Department of Corrections requesting to not be released from prison. But since he didn't meet the criteria to be, to be placed in any other sort of facility, he was released. Oh, my God. And even his family at the time was like, what were they thinking? Like, nothing good was going to so, come of this. Who like, did he kill next? Now that he's out? <laughs> it's not good. So he was released uh, against his own wishes, which I feel like I just did a story where somebody said the same thing. That guy who, like, killed all those people. You, you tell one every day. <laughs> guy who killed. You know, that guy. He killed all those people. And he's like, you can't release me or I'll keep doing this. And they oh, were like, right. I remember. OK, you're fine to go. Like, I don't know who that was. And but... then he immediately started murdering people. Mm-hmm. It's like, hello. Was it the, was it the, the nurse one? No, it wasn't the nurse one. It was the guy who <clears throat> killed, um, like, the woman and her two-year-old daughter. And, oh. like, he had all those weird friends. Oh, Pee Wee Gaskins. Yes. Pee Wee Gaskins, yeah. And he was like, no, don't let me go. And they were like, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So, the same, similar story. So, in 2001, after he was released, 
David hit an acquaintance six times in the back of the head with a metal pipe, um, but the guy wasn't killed, and he survived. So David wasn't prosecuted because the acquaintance, although he did report the incident to police, didn't want to press charges. That just happened, but he didn't okay. get in trouble for that. On, he's like hitting people with a metal pipe and whatever. I, f- I feel like if a guy who had already murdered several people hit me in the head with a pipe, I'd be like, take him back. Yeah. I don't know. On December 12, 2003, David's arrested for the strangling death of James Ragani, age 16. Ragani's body was found encased in concrete in David's basement in Hammond, oh. Indiana. Wow, yeah. that's a very Gacy move. Yeah, right? It's creepy. Wow, that was like... Keeping he, him in the basement. He like had that... Uh, mm-hmm. He really wrote that into existence. That M... Right? <laughs> Gacy in the making or whatever? He's like, called it. Gacy called type. it. Um, he was later charged with the deaths of Michael Dennis, age 13, and Nick James, age 19, similarly wrapped in plastic, encased in concrete in his basement. Mm. In November 2005, he pleaded guilty for the three murders and was sentenced to three life terms. And then in January 2006, about a month after his last sentencing, David committed suicide by hanging himself in his jail cell. Uh, jail employees found a suicide note in his cell in which he confessed to five killings and apologized to each of the victim's families. And he was 51 years old at this point. And I think that's really interesting because I feel like so many of these killers just don't have that yeah. apologetic bone in their body. Like they maybe take their own life because... They don't want to be punished by the law or whatever, but right. I feel like, like they want to be in control of what yeah, happens. Exactly, to them. exactly. And I think this is, seems to be at least more of like a remorse thing. Right. At least from the journal entries that I read, which is just so twisted. So the David Moss case helped helped lead Indiana public officials to pursue a state amendment that required a violent offender registry um, for convicted murderers. So basically, if the registry had existed back then, it might have reduced the chance of David's continuance of murder upon release. Because if people in the area knew that he was registered as a murderer, maybe these 13 and 15 year olds wouldn't have been like hanging out with him or right. been in the area. So now Indiana Code Section 11887 provides that sex or violent offenders must register with local law enforcement. And the law de- defines a sex or violent offender as a person convicted of murder. Yeah, correct. Good job. All right. Good job, <laughs> self. There's a lot of numbers on here. Okay. Um, and that law was enacted in July 2006. And as of this date, there are four types of offenders. There are sexually violent predators, offenders against children, sex offenders, and then violent offenders. Oh, wow. Which are persons convicted of murder or voluntary manslaughter. So, like, now they're required to register with local authorities. And the person is known in the area. And there are two registry terms of enrollment. So you can either be registered for 10 years, depending on what you've been sentenced for, or life. You can be sentenced for life. And the Chicago Tribune, like I said, has a copy of David Moss' 87-page diary, um, which he wrote in prison. And in 1983, just an excerpt that I found interesting, um, he wrote that he attacked more than a dozen teenage boys, killing two of them up to that point. And that was, like, way before a lot of the murders took place. Right. He described a blinding rage directed at boys that he felt affection toward. Yikes. <sighs> yeah. And he continuously, throughout his entire life, pined for the love of his mother, which he felt he never got. Wow. Just toxic. Um, he said, quote, 
What I done in my life is bad things to good people. I cannot remember the good things I did in my life, but I can remember the bad things because when you do one bad thing, it takes away the good. Wow. So, I mean, he did seem to have a concept or a grasp of like he was. He seemed to at least be aware that he knew these people like didn't deserve it. Yeah. Because I feel like even in the Pee Wee Gaskin story, he was just like, I don't know. I feel like, what do you say? Like. It was a recreational weekend activity when I killed people. Like, well, it's it was very just... much like Charles Manson said, like, killing people was like going to the drugstore. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't think twice just about like it. Just like an errand. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, oh, if I see you and I want to kill, I'll just do it and I won't even think think about it later. Yeah. The only reason I'd think about it is if someone caught me. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. And so this seems like it really got to him psychologically speaking, which I find really interesting. Yeah. It's not... Even if it's like... Even if he doesn't have the capacity to actually feel true remorse, he mm-hmm. at least feels capacity that he should feel remorse. Yeah, he knows what he's doing is not right, which I feel like is different from a lot of yeah these like really psychopath killers. Yeah. So anyway, that is the story of David Edward Most, um, and I do have his Aries horror scope. There it is. <laughs> Aries is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Good one. I'm sorry. Um, here it is. Aries, this is uh, David. Here's your horoscope. Please don't come in here, though. I oh. have my holy water. Where is it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Next to my box of wine. Sure, just make sure my wine and my holy water. Okay, David. A household member might toy with the idea of moving out or going away for a while. This could stress you out, but don't make yourself crazy. Don't try to talk her out of it. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) Listen sympathetically and let your relative get it out of their system. This person is probably feeling temporarily restricted by forces outside the home and isn't really likely to go anywhere. Give them a break. I was just thinking of his mother saying, like, get out of the house. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. How's that for you? That was a good one. Aye, aye, aye. What do we talk about now? I don't remember. Oh, God. We do this every week. I know. Well, sorry. Oh. Everybody. I thought you were actually going to go off on something there. I was excited. No, just sorry to everybody. Oh. <laughs> sorry for, for, doing, for doing this to you. It's just as awkward at live shows, by the way, guys, in case you're wondering, like, <laughs> oh, I wonder if they've got their shit together live. No, it's even no. worse because Eva can't edit us. It's We're really smooth at live shows. Oh, yeah. We take out our saxophones and just do a jazz number. We do get on the stage to pony. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's not smooth, I don't know what is. Maybe we should go off the stage to pony. Maybe that'll fix our problem. Oh, right. Because I feel like getting on is really smooth. And then at the end, we're like, <clears throat> so. We're like, see ya. Goodbye. If anyone has a suggestion of what we should be doing. Yeah. Help us. I feel like a lot of people think that we think we're professionals. We really just <laughs> like. I list, This is what happened. I was at work and I texted Christine, do you want to start a podcast? I didn't say, do you want to know how to get on and off of a stage in front of an audience? <laughs> but that's where we ended up. So, Do you want the public to be writing reviews about you on the internet? No, <laughs> I don't want that. But uh, here we are. But here we are. So if you have any ideas of things that we should also throw into the mix <laughs> to make things seem more professional, by all means, give us a shout. And please be nice because we're done with the mean, mean things. Yeah. Um. Also... Before I forget, like, come see us live. And I know I keep saying this, but, like, we're posting stuff regularly. And, I mean, even if you are a few weeks behind and you hear this in a few weeks, like, we've probably added a few new shows. Um, We have a lot coming up. And I think my guess is that they're all going to be added, like, 
pretty close together because we have so many coming up. I think it's going to snowball. A big snowball, right. So um, keep an eye out. Currently, we only have available November 7th in Philadelphia, and it's low ticket warning. So for all we know, as soon as this comes out, There's there might not be any left. There's a new city coming out this upcoming week, Nicole told me. <clears throat> yeah, I don't remember entirely what city. But there is a city coming out this upcoming week. Listen, it's in the emails. I don't know. Okay. So just keep your eye out. Well, look forward to that because I certainly do because I'm as clueless as you right now. I don't know Great. what we're Fabulous. talking about. Join the secret ATWWD group on Facebook. We talk about this stuff. Um, you can do the rest. I don't remember it. <laughs> I saw you really trying. You, I, you almost went for it. Instantly glazed over. You know what we should do kind of like <laughs> in like a TV and like a TV set. You know, like they have like I'm just you know I was just on a TV. You know, on a TV set. Uh, I was just on a TV set how today, they mic so you I feel up, you know? like a talent. Um, oh God, you know how they have like teleprompter uh, no they have like cue cards oh sure we should just like in really big letters get like the whole end right spiel and just have it like taped on the wall and i we think just it's more it. fun when we both stare at each other like uh <laughs> did i get everything yeah anyway let's try it okay um if you want to spend any more of your free time with us which you should um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at ATWWD Podcast. Please, please donate. It very much helps us in ways that you do not understand. Behind the scenes, all of it goes to just, you're the reason that we're able to do this. And to all of you who do support us, thank you very much. Um, you can also find us at our website, and that's why we drink.com. You can find our merch at, and that's why we drink.bigcartel.com. You can also find our email, and that's why we drink at gmail.com, where you can send in your personal paranormal and true crime stories we put out a new listeners episode at the first of every month um you can also send us goodies via snail mail mm -hmm. at 1920 hillhurst ave number 265 los angeles california 90027 and for everyone who thought that went so smoothly there was a lot that was cut out yeah i will <laughs> never be able to say it properly um and you can send us uh some nice goodies if you would like and we uh once a month we do a little video where we open all of our fan mail from that month and right. if you are a patreon member you can uh watch us open up some surprises we also have our facebook live that we have not mentioned because again we just edited a lot out <laughs> we just and, planned it <laughs> um, we just decided it is next sunday because we apparently need a calendar um we have one we just are not good at using it uh so anyway next sunday if you're listening to this as soon as it comes out is the 23rd at three o'clock pacific standard time it will be the same day as our live show so if you want to see us twice in one day, if you're coming to Hollywood Improv that night, then you... what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that will be our Facebook Live. And um, is that it? I think that's it. Um, I said a lot. I know, but I think that was that was the gist of everything. And, you know, if we if you're at our live show on next Sunday, that's very exciting. I just remembered that it was happening. So good for all of us. So, um Thank you in advance to everyone that comes and sees us. And we're super excited to sell at LA again. That was very exciting. Yeah. And it's going to be a wild day because also next week's episode comes out that day. That's true. You well, guys can listen to an episode of us, then watch us on Facebook Live, <laughs> and then see us live. You can have a triple threat. And if you, you guys are, are all going to leave us because you're going to be over it. You're going to be like, wow, I, I listened to an episode and watched you live. On Facebook. I don't even want to come to your show tonight. No, I need something better to do with my time. <sighs> and we don't blame you. So thank oh you my. for listening. <sighs> Hope we didn't haunt you with that cauldron. <laughs> but 
but if we did send us a story (laughs) oh my goodness thank you guys thanks guys and that's why we drink clank addiction plays hardball he would hit me with these verbal attacks i just said to him i love you so much you're such an amazing person i can't take this ride anymore It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.